0: الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد هل ينظرون إلا أن تأتيهم الملائكة أو يأتي ربك أو يأتي بعض آيات ربك Yomayati Bardo Ayati Robbika Lion, Faro Nefs Lion, Faro Nefsan Imanuha, Lemtakon Amenat Min Kabl, O Cassabet Fi Imaniha Haira, Ulin Taviru, Inna Muntavirun, Sadakalahul Avim. Our dear brothers, sisters, Ulama, and dear friends, the topic uh, has become one of greater interest in the more recent days and it will continue to do so and the more people learn about Dajjal, our topic for today, the better because one of the signs of his absolute closeness is that people will forget about people will not have understood who he is And that's why he'll have actually more room to create a problem And more room to misguide people and do his work So, Dajjal goes under various different names Let us understand who this person is, what his name means So that we can uh, be more informed about this He is going by different names, one is the Messiah Uh, There are two individuals that have been called the Messiah One is Isa, Jesus peace be upon him. And then there is the Antichrist, the one who is supposed to be opposing Isa alayhi salam. He is also called the Masih or the Messiah. So in Arabic the word Masih, Masaha, uh, means to, to wipe and to anoint. So because Isa salam will have the ability to anoint people to pass his hands over with the Permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to pass his na- hands over somebody's eyes and allow him to see again, cure people and so on. That's why Isa alayhi salam is called the Masih. The one who passes his hand over, the one who uh, anoints and so on. The Jal then is also called the Masih for different reasons. Uh, for different reasons. And Masih also means the one who will travel the earth or the one who travels the earth. <coughs> That's one opinion. The stronger opinion is that Masih also means the one whose eye has been wiped. The eye, who, 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 uh, the eye which has been obliterated in other words. And because Dajjal's eye, has, at least his one eye, has been obliterated and it doesn't function, it's just flat. Uh, there, there's, there's no, uh, it's, it's, uh, as the hadith mentioned, it's like a protruding grape almost. So that's another reason why he's called the Messiah, and that's what's mentioned in the hadith anyway. So that's the word Messiah. That's what it's about. It's a very popular term in religious terminology, uh, especially in Christian terminology. That's why they name these various different movies and programs and other things the Messiah because that's just something that a lot of people can resonate with, especially from the Christian tradition, the Messiah. That's why it's it's there. So it can either, in the in the sense of the... The, 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 those who followed Isa they were called Masihiyun because another meaning of Masih in the positive sense is the one who tells the truth is the one who tells the truth is a Siddiq, the person of veracity and truthfulness so that's why Masihiyun were those who had truly believed in Isa a.s. <coughs> however our Dajjal the one we're speaking about today is Al-Masih ad dajjal so there's always that characteristic, that adjective that is added to Al-Masih. The Messiah, the Dajjal, the false Messiah. What does the word Dajjal mean then? The word Dajjal then, that means the word Dajjal comes from various different meanings. One meaning is that they used to coat animals. Sometimes their sheep or whatever, they used to coat them in tar for some reason. So that is the word Dajjal is used for that. However, the meaning when it comes to dajjal himself, it actually means dajala means to misrepresent, to say something and mean something else, to confuse something, to misrepresent something, to show something other than the way it is, to show you good as bad, and bad as good. And welcome to the new age, the age of post-truth as they call it, the post-truth era as we're going through, where even people who lie, known to lie, in public, on screen, documented, can still be chosen as leaders. Not just in one country, but in more than a country, in many places around the world. So people are willing to tolerate, people are willing to ignore that for another reason. And so the post-truth age in the in the Economist a few years ago, they basically had a whole issue on the post-truth age, and that's where we're living in. And the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned this anyway. Uh, in one of the Hadith, the Prophet mentioned is that a time will come when you will basically uh, the the Munkar, the evil, will be shown as virtuous, and that which is virtuous will be shown as ugly and wrong and non-virtuous and it gets so confusing except for the person with divine insight except for the person who sees with the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be able to figure this out because in many cases where it comes to personal life where it's about uh, dealing with specific issues buying certain products following a certain line It gets really, really confusing Especially in the age of uh, our social media Where uh, numerous uh, research and uh, other events have shown How social media is being used to manipulate people to think in a certain way To think in a certain way So you can understand that that's all misrepresentation I'm not saying that's Dajjal, there are people in the past in our history who said that Dajjal is not an individual, it's an idea, it's a practice, it's mass distortion, distorting facts, misrepresentation, showing some, something to be other than what it is. And in general, a Shaitani idea of showing the good as bad and the bad as good. So some people have reduced the Dajjal to that. The hadith are very clear, they're very graphic, they're very explicit about the descriptions. And taking the Dajjal as a real individual who does these things does not negate the fact that there may be a Dajjalic system in place, or Dajjalic practices in place, Shaitani practices in place. So just because there's one doesn't mean the other one doesn't have to exist. That just because there's misrepresentation in the social media and in politics, and in society in general, it doesn't mean that that is the Dajjal and there will be no Dajjal. All of this is just makes it easier for people to understand this and for people to maybe accept the Dajjal when he really comes will be the ultimate test. Because the Prophet wasallam said that Dajjal is the worst of the trials that you will ever face. In one hadith he mentions that the Prophets used to warn people against the Dajjal. The Prophet really emphasized it because his time is very close, because he's going to be within the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, meaning from these generations until the Day of Judgment, because the Prophet ﷺ is the last Prophet. So he really emphasized it, and he really spoke about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in general about the Dajjal. The verse I mentioned before, it's when the signs will come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the signs that will come, uh, which includes a number of signs. There's sun rising from the west, uh, the west and so on and so forth. And it doesn't mean just uh, some signs, but uh, not just the Dajjal. It could mean a number of different signs. That are people just waiting until the angels come to them, or your Lord comes to them, or some of the signs of your Lord come to them. Remember, basically, that when the signs of your Lord do come, then after that, nobody's iman will benefit them who have not benefited before who have not become mu'min before. So a person who's not mu'min from before, then it will not benefit them because they will not be able to see clearly. They'll be misled. Or, or they are believers before, but they have not yet earned deeds within that. So inshallah, by the end, we'll also be talking about how to protect ourselves from these things, how to see through these things, how to be enlightened, and how to be aware insha'Allah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. So we, we talked about who Dajjal. We talked about what it means. And that's exactly what it is. People have used this term by the way. Hadith scholars have even used this term for those who used to fabricate narrations. Fabricate hadith. Those who used to make up hadith. Some of the scholars used to actually call them Dajjal. Because the word literally just means like a liar. An imposter. A misrepresent. Somebody who misrepresents. mis. And misapply something. So that's why the word you'll be you'll use it, you can you know people have used it for others as people who really cause a lot of distortion. But the real dajjal is the dajjal. Dajjal, some of the descriptions that we have are quite graphic. So for example, one of the hadith that speaks about dajjal is that he's going to be a strong, large individual, reddish in complexion. Um, stockily built it seems Curly hair Well or not curly curly hair But more towards a curly Rather than being straight Prominent forehead uh, A broad chest The right eye Is going to be The right eye is considered to be The non-functioning eye So in some narrations It talks about it being like a protruding Grape almost so there's something there, but it's not an eye. But even the other eye is also defective. There's almost like from the corner, it seems like there is something over it. So even the left eye is defective, but the right eye is not functioning. And the left eye is defective. And another, uh, another characteristics of his is that he will not have children. So he is not fertile. He is not going to have children. And that's what's mentioned as well. Above all, one of the biggest signs will be, because you get lots of people with one eye and so on. But one of the biggest ideas, one of the biggest reasons there, is that he will have kaf, Fa and Ra written on the foreheads. Now that sounds really strange, obviously, that you know you don't generally see people with those letters on the forehead, or with anything on their foreheads. Unless someone wants to inscribe something on their forehead. Uh, for a joke or seriously or whatever they want to do it for Or to use um, uh, soft play letters to put it onto their forehead Or stick them onto their forehead for some misrepresentation or for some claim or whatever the case is right? So this will be there and what's interesting is that Whether all believers just because of their faith will be able to see this But not, not non-believers Anybody without iman will not be able to see this. Only those with iman will be able to notice this, whether they can read or write, whether they can read or not read. Meaning whether they know how to read or not know how to read. So it's something, it's almost like you're going to be given the glasses or the vision to see this. Right? It's not, you don't go to school for it, you actually just have iman, good enough iman, and that will allow you to see this. And wallahu alam maybe the person with, with uh, very strong iman will see it very clearly And have no, uh, no confusion whatsoever Maybe others will be confused Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best We'll just have to see You see, what you have to understand is that If we look uh, logically or rationally at these things They seem a bit mythical How is it possible that somebody's going to have these I mean, to, uh, are we really honest that this is difficult to understand today? You have people doing all sorts of things outside. You have people dressing up in all sorts of ways, marking themselves with tattoos in all sorts of ways. So personally, I don't think this is very far-fetched. If I look at it rationally, in the way things are going, where people can even change their gender today and be totally different, then what's a few tattoos on the head, if that's all they are? Tattoos that only some people can see. And it's, a, it's basically a God-given tattoo, it seems, Wallahu alam, that will tell the believer who this person is and Kafara are basically the root letters of Kafir which means to disbelieve so you will be written there Kafir that's why I wouldn't even joke about with this like you know if somebody for a joke puts Kafara on their forehead that I see as a huge blasphemy like why would you want to even play the part even as a joke that is something to be shunned. That's evil. Why would anybody in their right mind want to even do that? Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu uh, This is a hadith. Uh, I'm going to mention a few hadith just so that you understand that it's from sahih hadith all of this is narrated. That Abdullah ibn Umar anhu relates that the Prophet said that while I was one day sleeping it looks like he was sleeping and doing a tawaf. And in, it looks like he's having a dream and he's doing a tawaf and he says that I suddenly see Isa, the son of Maryam I see Jesus, peace be upon him <laughs> and then he says I saw the Dajjal so the Prophet ﷺ is given a vision of the Dajjal and then he described him and he said basically Rajulun ahmar which I basically explained earlier in the descriptions that I gave and then he even mentioned that if you want to see, if you want to understand who this person looks like, there was a person called Ibn Qatan. Probably in Jahiliyyah, before people, he says he looks like him. Uh, he is from the Khuza'a tribe. So he even gave a resemblance to show that I've actually seen this Dajjal as such. Now, the question that comes about here is, alive right now or not? Or is he somebody that's going to be born? One thing that we have to Uh, Clarify because I got asked this question the other day Is Dajjal a human being? And yes Dajjal is a human being He is of the human race And just a bit abnormal and different The Ya'juj Ma'juj Who we are not going to be speaking about today Gog and Magog They are also from the human race They are also from one of the sons of Nuh Right. So they also come from the human race They're just again different. Uh, We've had human race, we have had different people within the human race. And Allah has that ability to create different types of people. So is the Dajjal alive right now? The majority opinion is that it seems to be yes, that Dajjal is alive. Now we have two sources to understand who or where the Dajjal is or who he was. We've got the descriptions which I've mentioned, some of the descriptions. Later I'm going to be mentioning what he's going to do, his activities, and the confusion he's going to create. And the challenges, I'll talk about that later But in terms of who he is, let's, deti- let's try to determine that For that we've got two, two sources of info Well, we've got two, uh, we can have two understandings from the hadith One is a person called Ibn said or Ibn al-Sayyad <clears throat> In the time of the Prophet wasallam, was a young boy In the time of the Prophet a really strange young boy right. One is that, is he the Dajjal? And there's lots of confusion about that. And number two, actually no, he is not the Dajjal. But it's actually a person who's on, a, on an island that a Sahabi called Tamim al who became a Muslim, who mentioned his whole encounter to the Prophet wasallam that he's actually on that island and he will, it's him who will come out later. Some have tried to bring both of these opinions together and uh, they've used different ways. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala knows best. That is what we'll see. But all we can we know is that these are the two sources. Now, let me tell you a bit about this Ibn Sayyad because it's kind of interesting. Ibn Sayyad was either from the Ansar originally, or he's from a, he's a Jewish convert. One thing is that he definitely expressed Islam. that seems to be the case. And his son was a believer. The other opinion is that he's from the Ansar. But he was only a child when the Prophet ﷺ was there. And then he obviously grew up afterwards. And the Sahaba had a number of interactions with him. His son, his name was Umara. This uh, uh, Ibn Sayyad's son, his name was Umara. And he's actually considered to be one of the top tabi'een. So he's got no problem. This is really interesting. So he's got no problem. I said earlier that according to one hadith, uh, Dajjal cannot have children. This particular one seems to be another type of Dajjal because his son is a really pious person. He's from the Tabi'een. To such a degree that Imam Zahabi and numerous others have actually written a beautiful biography about him. For example, Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, one of our greatest hadith scholars, uh, mentions about him in the Isaba. Uh, He says... Abdullah Umara, son of Abdullah ibn Sayyad He was من al-Muslimin, one, one of the best of the believers And he was one of the companions of Saeed ibn al-Musayyib Rahimahullah Imam Malik has actually taken hadith from him as well So that's the son Ibn Sayyad, if we just go to him now and focus on him Why is there so much confusion? And to be honest, once you start reading his stories He's actually a very confusing person So for example He used to be like a soothsayer He used to say things That nobody else would be able to tell you Or would say Really strange things Some part of it would be Close to the truth as well And that's why it's so confusing He wasn't just like a madman That okay just ignore him completely He used to sometimes say things That used to come true And other times they were false So he used to It was a hit and miss About him So lots of uh, basically when you have somebody like that in the community especially in a very tribal community where everybody's so close together everybody finds out about this right so for example when people began to say you see because the hadith about dajjal had been mentioned the prophet ﷺ described dajjal already so people knew that there was a dajjal then this ibn sayyad his activities and his different antics a little kid right they're going around so the Prophet finds out about it, and people are claiming that he is the Dajjal. He seems to fit the bill, he seems to fit the description of the Dajjal. So, what the Prophet did was that he wanted to go and find out. So, Abdullah ibn Umar relates in this hadith that Umar went with the Prophet in a small group of people, like a few people, uh, towards where Ibn Sayyad was. He was in another small part of Medina Munawwara. And there he was playing with the children. He's playing with the children. Now, Ibn Sayyad was nearly baligh, nearly mature. So he's probably about 11, 12, around that age. So he's playing with the children. And when the Prophet got there, he didn't really realize that he's the Prophet until the Prophet kind of uh, said to him, Atashhadu anni Rasulullah. Do you bear witness that I am the Messenger of Allah? So Ibn al-Sayyad looked at him and he said, I bear witness that you are the messenger of the unlettered people. The Rasulun Ummiyen. Rasul of the Ummi people, those who don't, which was basically one of the descriptions of the Prophet. ﷺ. Then Ibn al-Sayyad said to the Prophet, ﷺ, Do you believe do you bear witness that I am the Messenger of Allah? Can you see? He says some really confusing stuff says I know you're the messenger but then he's saying to the Prophet Wasallam, do you believe that I do you bear witness that I am the messenger of Allah so the Prophet Wasallam obviously uh, ignored that, rejected that and he said I believe in Allah and His messenger so then the Prophet Wasallam said to him what are you seeing like what do you see because he was known to see things visions so Ibn Sayyad says uh, or rather who do you see he says oh both the sadiq and the qadib come to me, which basically means that both the truth and the falsehood come to me. I've got an inspirer of truth and an inspirer of evil. So the Prophet ﷺ says, yes, the matter has been made confused to you, like you've been very confused by these things. Then the Prophet ﷺ said that, okay, I'm thinking of something which I'm not going to reveal. I'm basically concealing something, what is it? He's testing him. He wants to figure him out, so he's testing him. So Ibn Sayyad says, it's Dukh, Dukh, what does Dukh mean? So the Prophet ﷺ said, فَخْسَ Ta'du He says, okay, you're going to be at loss, you're never going to go, get beyond yourself. The Prophet ﷺ figured him out, because essentially what he was doing is that the Prophet ﷺ had been thinking about the verse in the Qur'an, يَوْمَ sama السَّمَاءُ بِدُخَانٍ mubin." يوم يأتي when uh, the the clear smoke uh, when when the heaven will re- release a clear smoke will will bring up a clear smoke so duhan in Arabic or another فردق يوم يأتي السماء بدخان mubin. that one so that's the verse the prophet was thinking about the full word is Dukhan for smoke so it was almost like saying just the beginning of that word. So the Prophet sussed him out that he's not got a full And you know How is he getting this information then? There are lots of people today Who can give you bits of information like that Right? There are lots of people today Who can give you bits of information like that Whether they're what we call aamileen Or these uh, jinn uh, removing practitioners Right? Or ghostbusters Or whatever else Whatever other terms you you want to use Whether positive, negative Whether... Uh, Muslim, non-Muslim, exorcists, and so on and people who seem to know a few things fortune tellers and so on the way they generally do these things they have their ways they have a contact, contract with a jinn their jinn speaks to your jinn because every human being has a, has a devil or a jinn with them from their birth who basically knows everything about us because they've been with us for all of our life our, our jinn or shaitan basically knows everything about us from, from basically our birth more than probably anybody else except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right? so their jinn s- speaks to our jinn gets a bit of information jinns ne- seem to ne- never give the full information it's always like bits of information so it seems like he got a bit of information somewhere but it's not enough he's not that high up right? so the Prophet figured it out that okay you're not going to get too far and there's a number of other encounters about that as well for example Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu mentions that once the Prophet sallallahu and Ubay ibn Ka'b radiyallahu anhu went to some palm trees where Ibn Sayyad was. And he wanted to hear from Ibn Sayyad, like what is he talking about? Because he seems to have murmuring or saying something there. So he wanted to just secretly hear what he was saying. So the Prophet sees him while he's lying down and but his mother was there so his mother sees the prophet sallallahu alaihi and said Ya Saf." that was like maybe a shortened version of his name yasaf right this is muhammad sallallahu الله- this is muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he, he quickly got up and uh, the prophet remarked that had she not said anything had he been like that it would have become clear what it was but you see what it is is that allah subhanahu wa taala has kept this ambiguous for us we don't know who he is or when he's going to come we've been given signs and we've been told what to do and we've been warned and that's what's really most important about us that's why I don't listen to anybody whether that be a scholar uh, whether that be a speaker whether that be Netflix whether that be anybody who tells me that this is the Jal until you see the signs yourself right there's a lot of conjecture a lot of estimation a lot of speculation out there that this is the dajjal and this is the dajjal and he's born and he's here and he's there and all the rest <clears throat> of it the prophet sallallahu alaihi seems to have not told us right he may have known allah knows best but he didn't reveal to us and in all these ahadith it seems that maybe at that time he did not know if allah told him later in another version the prophet ﷺ asked him what do you see so he say i see I see a throne on the water So the Prophet ﷺ said Yes, you're seeing the throne of the Iblis on the water What else do you see? Who else do you see? He says, oh, I see both the truthful ones and the liars So the Prophet ﷺ said, you know what, leave him He's just he's got confused inspirations He's got confused inspirations that's why Ibn Kathir and many of these other scholars say that he seems to have just different ways. Allah opens up, Allah gives certain people certain ways that they tap into certain wavelengths to understand things or jinn or whatever the case is, and that's all it seems to be. Where did, where did this Ibn Sayyad eventually go? It seems like he eventually disappeared. There was a battle that took place, the Harrah, and in that one he was never seen after that. He was actually never seen after that. So he disappeared. That's why some have this idea that he was there at the time, and then after that he disappeared, he is the guy on the island that I'm going to speak about later. That's some people's view, but Allah knows best. So you actually have among the Sahaba, some Sahaba who insisted that Dajjal Ibn Sayyad is the Dajjal. And others said that he's not the Dajjal, it's the other one on the island. You know, this Ibn sayyad he knew that people used to think he's Dajjal. So he used to actually defend himself. So he used to actually challenge people and defend himself that, uh, with, with numerous things. For example, there's a uh, long hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu is a famous hadith narrator and a great sahabi. So he says that once we were on our way for Hajj Umrah, from Ma- uh, Medina Munawwara to Makkah Mukarrama, And... This Ibn Sa'id, Abu Sayyad, happened to be with us in our group. He was in our Hajj group. So, we stopped somewhere on the way. And people dispersed to do their own thing. And somehow, me and him remained together in one place. And he says, I was really, really feeling strange about this. Like, I didn't want to be with him. Because he was a weirdo. Let's put it that way. right? Clearly a weirdo, like we would say. At least... So, everything that used to be said of him, I did not want to be with him. He came with his stuff, and uh, he put it with my stuff, he put it with my luggage, and he said, you know what, it's really, really hot. So, maybe let's go and put it under the tree. So, he's kind of leading, uh, leading. so we, he did that, and then after that, there were some goats there. So, he went and he seems to bring some milk from there, and he says, Abu Sa'id, have some milk. Right, he's been nice about it. Now, Abu Sa'id anhu, says to him that, you know what, it's so hot today, and the milk is warm as well. Milk is hot as well, it's just been freshly, you know, uh, it's going to be warm as well. So uh, he says, really, I was just making an excuse, but I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to take anything from his hand. <laughs> because when you got somebody like you, you're just like wondering whether they're going to do something in there or not. Right. So he says, I really just didn't want to take from his hand. So, then he probably figured it out. Meaning Ibn Sayyid probably figured it out that, look, even Abu Sa'id seems to have a problem with me. So he says, you know what, I've I've thought on times that I should just take a rope and I should hang myself from a tree because of what people say. I should just hang myself. Abu Sa'id. He says that Abu Sa'id, I mean you know the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the hadith are clear about the dajjal the hadith are clear right you ansari people i mean you know the hadith as well don't you know the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam hasn't the prophet sallallahu said that the dajjal is going to be a kafir and i am a muslim hasn't the prophet sallallahu said that the dajjal is can't have children and i've had children you almost like feel sorry for him when he's saying all of this right he says, Look, I've left my son in Medina Munawara. I've left my children in Medina Munawara. Hasn't the Prophet ﷺ said that Dajjal can never enter into Makkah Mukarram or Medina Munawwara? And here, you know, I've just come from Medina Munawara. I'm going to Makkah Mukarram. Abu Sa'id al Khudri said, He said so much that it was almost like I was going to excuse him. Like, almost like clear my mind about this. So, so far, so good, right? Then do you know what he says? He says, "Ama."." Inni huwa this is what I call a weird person. He, 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 he mentions all of these things to clear his name, and then he says, "By Allah though, I know exactly where he is. I know him, and I know where he is right now, and I know where he was born." So Abu Sa'id on the is back to square one so uh, Abu Sa'id Adiyamna said tabban laka sa'il yaw. like you know woe be upon you the whole day I mean like what kind of a person are you you want to clear your name and then you basically provide the suspicion again you actually say it with conviction that I know where he is that's why he's really weird kind of individual in fact in another hadith uh, it's related that Ibn Sayyad said that I know where Dajjal is I know his father and his mother and uh, so somebody asked him, "That are you happy that you're that person? So he said that if that was prevent- presented to me to be him, then I wouldn't have minded. It's almost like he secretly loves the admiration. I don't know whether he had a psychological, I mean I'm reading into this from a psycholinguistic perspective. Maybe he wanted to be someone he's not. Maybe, you know, like, because if you're something, you want to be somebody worse. Maybe it's just some mental health problem. Some weird narcissism problem. I don't know. Wallahu alam. That's what pre- I'm just speculating here. Right? Otherwise, in one moment, like, he's feeling upset. And the other moment, is like, yes, I know who he is and I don't mind being him. That hadith is actually from Imam Muslim, where he says, I don't mind. Like, if it was presented to me, the offer, then I would have taken it. So that's why there are. There are just so much confusion about the ulama I have as well. Uh, some ulama think he is and some think that he's not. Now, let us look at the hadith of uh, Tamim al-Dari, Allah, which is the other hadith from which we get a different bit of information. So, Imam Muslim, again, this is a hadith of Imam Muslim. It sounds a bit folklorish, it sounds a bit like a fairy tale, sounds like strange. And that's why there have been certain prominent individuals of the last hundred years like uh, Rashid Rida uh, And uh, um, Mufti Muhammad Abdu And these uh, Some Egyptian scholars And others Who've basically said That all of this is symbolic Right These aren't realities And some have completely Even rejected this hadith But how can you reject A hadith of Sahih Muslim Like that That's why the majority Overwhelming majority The ummah They've agreed on this This is a hadith Sahih hadith from your Muslim He transmits it from Amir ibn al al-Shaabi one of the greatest of the tabi'in uh, amir al-sha'bi his name is he said that he once asked fatima bintu qais famous sahabiyyah there's a famous story about her she got divorced and about Iddit and so on she's a famous sahabiyyah a female companion of the prophet sallallahu right? that he asked fatima bintu qais who's the sister of dhahhak ibn qais right and she's from the earliest muhajirat she's from the earliest emigrators to medina munawwarah from makkah mukarramah that I want you to narrate to me a hadith that you heard from the Prophet sallallahu directly, not from anybody else. Something you heard directly from the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam. So he says, she said to him, if you want, I can do that. He says, please, mention it to me. So she first mentioned her story about her becoming widowed from her husband. Right. First, she mentioned that particular because that's another unique narration of hers, and how she had to spend her iddah because there was some problem with the in-laws family or something. That's why she had to spend iddah in the home of Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum radhiyallahu an. Then she said that when my iddah finished, when my waiting period finished after after the uh, uh, after my uh, separation, then I heard somebody calling out, making an announcement that Salat is about to get so adhan or some other announcement that Salat is about to take place So finally, I was able to go out to the Masjid because I'm not in iddah anymore for kharaj il Masjid and I prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and I was in the row of women I was in the row of women that were just behind the men So the first it looks like she was quite ahead in the women rows when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam finished his prayer, he sat on the minbar and he was smiling and he says that, look everybody should stay in their place because everybody should stay in their place, do you people know why I've gathered you here why am I telling you to stay behind why are you all sitting here today right so they said Allah and his messenger know best, you obviously know because we had the poster up right? they did not know, he says like you need to stay here, right And do you know what I'm going to speak to you about? So, he said, Allah and his messenger know best. I've gathered you here not to give you any other nasiha. Not to tell you about any other, persuade you to do anything else or whatever. But I've gathered you here because I've just been told by Tamim al-Dari, who used to be a Christian, a Nasrani, who used to be a Christian. He's come. He's basically become Muslim. He's given the Pledge of Allegiance. He's just become Muslim. And he's taken the Pledge of Allegiance. And he's basically told me of an incident that he has experienced. Now remember, this is really interesting. Because he experiences this before Islam. He's is from among the Arab tribes. But he's not Muslim. He's a Christian. So, he's telling me about an experience that he had at sea. Which conforms to... What I've been telling you about Masihud dajjal in general, about the Dajjal, the Messiah. He told me that once he went on a sea voyage, on a ship with about 30 other people from the Lakhm and the Judam tribes, 30 others. And they got caught up in a storm. The waves just started falling, uh, rising around them. And that stayed around like that for a month. They could not get out. So at, they were at, for a month at sea in the storm eventually they managed to get towards a shore of an island so they you know every larger ship they actually have small boats on there where they they, they so that you, you know you don't have to get too close to the shore and basically ground the ship so that's why they anchor outside and then they take small boats inside so what they did was they got onto one of the smaller boats and finally when they would reached really far west that's where this was and they got off and they got onto this island and as soon as they got onto the island there is this strange extremely hairy shaggy beast that suddenly comes up to them and starts speaking to them now as I said this sounds mythical right? this huge shaggy you know uh, that comes and maybe Netflix should make this the true version right? um, He said it was so shaggy you could not actually tell the head from the tail. That's how hairy it was. Okay. They were like surprised. Like, who are you? What are you? What kind of a person are you? Or what are you? He Says I'm the jassasa. Now the jassa means to spy, a lookout, right? Uh, It it could be a guard or a lookout or some kind of meaning. Said I'm the jassasa. What is a jassasa? Like, tell us what is a jassasa. Like, what kind of a beast are you? Said, look, there's a in that temple or uh, that building out there, right? Religious place of uh, a religious place. There's a person in there that you need to visit. He really wants to visit you. He probably hasn't had visitors for a very, very long time. He needs to, you know, you need to visit him. So when they heard about this person, they wondered, like, what could it be on this forlorn island, abandoned island? Who could there be in that dilapidated building or in that building? Who could it be? Right? It must be some kind of shaitan, some kind of jinn, because that's what you think of first, right? When you think of old buildings and things like that. I don't know. Maybe we're just programmed to think that way, or whatever the case is, or maybe that is where a lot of jinn stay. Right? Sorry, this is just my analysis. Right? So he said, We quickly rushed in until we got inside. And in there was this huge person, right? But completely tied up. We'd never seen somebody so large and so humongous like that. But he was totally tied up in chains To such a degree That his hands are tied up at his chest At his neck rather And his knees Are tied up Right All in chains And we're like Woe be upon you who are you Like what are you He says Now that you found me I've got a few questions for you You tell me who you are Oh we're some people from the Arab tribes That's who we are we got onto the sea voyage, and basically the sea was calm, but then after that it, it started, the waters began to rage, and eventually, after a month or so, we were tossed onto the, you know, tossed close to this island. so that's why we're here. And when we got off, we found that strange beast who brought us to you. So now you tell us, you know, who you are. So basically they told him the whole story, and then they're asking him, who you are. He asked them a few questions, though. He said, look, I've got a few questions for you Tell me about the palm trees of Baisan Now Baisan is in the Ghaur, Which is basically the very desert kind of area in Jordan If you go from Amman, I think it's kind of northwest If I'm correct The Ghaur area This area is there So he asked them a few questions He said, inform me about the palm trees of Baisan So he said what exactly do you want to know about these? Like, What a question. What do you want to know about these trees, these palm trees? I'm asking you about their trees. Do they still give fruit? Do they still bear fruit? We said, yes, they do. So he says, well, no, that there will come a time soon where they will stop bearing fruit. Now tell me about the river Tiberius, small river Tiberius. Again, that's on the uh, west of Jordan. It's, in, uh, it's between Jordan and uh, the Palestinian area. Right? So tell me about the river Tiberias Again what do you need to know about the river Tiberias Is there still water in there Subhanallah He said yes it's abundantly flowing Lots of water Now you know what Unfortunately now in Baisan there's not that many As far as I, from the report I read There's not that many palm trees or giving fruits And this river Tiberius is mostly dried up Right. So that's why he says then Is that soon its water will dry up Right, its water will dry up now tell me about the well of Zughr the well of Zughr they seem to know about this and again it's in a place close to three days journey from Jerusalem again it's in that it seems like in that Sham area it seems tell me about the well of Zughr or the spring of Zughr again what do you need to know does it still have water in there and do the people around it use its water to irrigate their farms their fields said, yes, it's got lots of water. At that time, he had lots of water. Okay, now tell me about the Prophet of the Ummiyin. Now, that's very interesting that he uses that same term, the Nabi of the Ummiyin, the same characteristic for the Prophet as Ibn Sayyad did. Right. Right. Did Ibn Sayyad really know where he was? Right. So, what has he done? What's, what's going on with him? Yes, he's come from Makkah, Mukarrama. And now he's settled in Yathrib, he's settled in Medina Munawwara. Have the Arabs fought against him? They said yes. What happened? He's basically overcome a lot of the Arab tribes around him. He says that's exactly. Has that happened? We said yes. He says it's actually better that they follow him. It's actually better that they follow him. Now let me tell you who I am. He said, I am the Messiah. I am the Masih, right? The Dajjal, and soon I'm going to be allowed to be released and to come out. So I will come out, and I will travel the earth. I will not leave any area, no, no village, no area, except that I will be there for 40 days. My time is going to be for 40 days. In 40 days, I'm going to go around. The only place that I cannot go is Makkah and Taiba. Taiba is another name for Medina Munawara. Because they've been made unlawful for me, both of them. Every time I want to enter any of them, there's angels with swords that are basically standing with naked swords that will prevent me from, doing, uh, from getting in. And there are guards on each of those, uh, each of those, uh, each of those gates or entry points into Medina Munawwara. Now again here, when people read this hadith, some people say, how can Dajjal earlier people they used to say how can Dajjal go around the entire world in every area in 40 days I mean even today that sounds difficult physically even though we got planes you can probably go around the world but to go in every area right how do you physically go in every area but maybe 50, 100 years ago they would never have fathomed that it's actually very possible right for me even to be speaking right through Transmission to everybody in the world that's absolutely possible I don't have to physically go there I can be virtually there and who knows what augmented reality in the future will bring where you could be in many many places you could be seen to be physically in many many places because you know they, they, they show how uh, they show how you can actually create uh, someone illusion of someone being there right so all of these things seem to be completely much more clearer. People may have re- some people thinking this is far fetched may have rejected them thinking this is impossible for f- in forty days, even though one of those days, as the Prophet said, is going to be like a year. Right? But today even with a video I'm not saying that's exactly what's gonna happen that he's only gonna go around in you know on a you know, he's going to broadcast, right? Facebook live or whatever the call is, but although that's a very perfect um, portal for him to do so with, it's all, it's all ready for it, right? How many millions of followers or billions of followers <laughs> they've got on there when the Prophet ﷺ got to this place in telling the story he had a stick and that's when he struck the member with his stick and he said, this is Taiba, this is Taiba, this is Taiba, <coughs> meaning Medina Munawwara, that he could not enter into Medina Munawwara so then he said, didn't I tell you about the Dajjal? and the people said, yes so he says that this story of Tamim al about the sea voyage really, really astonished me and uh, interested me uh, because it was in conformance to what I've been telling you. Because it seems like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi been told these few things. He was really interested in finding out like he did with uh, Ibn sayyad So when Tamim al-Dari came and told him about this he was quite excited that wow, this is completely in accordance to what we've been speaking about. Anyway, then he says that he, this Dajjal, this is, he is in the Bahru sham or Bahru Yemen. yaman He's either in the waters of Sham or the waters of Yemen or actually more towards the east. More towards the east. That that's where he is and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now let us move to a few other things before we finish. You see, Imam, there's a number of scholars, I like their conclusion about it, like Ibn, uh, uh, Imam Bayhaqi, he says that the Dajjal the, 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 the al-Akbar, the big Dajjal, he is the one on that island. But then you can have other small Dajjals doing other weird things. So I like that opinion, I think that seems to go because you do have strange distorters of information around the world. Right? And that, that could make sense. What's going to happen now, once we figure out who Dajjal is, at least as much information as we can get, Now let us figure out when he is going to come at the end of time. So now you have to understand that there are minor signs and major signs. Minor signs are all of those signs which will occur in different intensities in different places, but they will not necessarily be a global idea. For example, disobedience to parents is a minor sign. In some places there is disobedience of parents, in other places there is not as much. Likewise, the prevalence of singing and zina and these things, these are considered to be also, minor signs, but again, in some places it's worse than others. They're not necessarily completely global; that everybody has to be doing that. The major signs then are those which will be globally effective, and the first of those signs is going to be the Mahdi, radiyallahu anhu. He will come; he will be found to deal with many of the problems of the world. He'll be basically, uh, he'll be told by the ulama of the time that you need to now take up this responsibility again, there are 20 something narrations that explain who he's going to be Muhammad ibn Abdullah that's what his name is going to be right? so he's a Muhammad whose father is Abdullah from the tribe of the Prophet so that once he comes about he will start leading the Muslims they will get to Jerusalem they will get to Damascus and the Salat would be about to begin and that eastern minaret of Jerusalem sorry of uh, Damascus of the Umayyad mosque which did not exist in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. and the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in his time that Isa is going to descend there and that masjid wasn't even around Walid ibn Abdul Malik, one of the Umayyads, he actually built it that's where Isa is going to descend and because the salat has iqamah has been given they're going to say, Isa now you're here, you lead the prayer. But Isa says, no, it was actually iqamah was given, the call to commence was given for one of your people, let him be the imam. So Mahdi an, <laughs> will lead the prayer. After that, you don't really hear much about Mahdi. It seems like he's become part of Isa force. This is Fajr prayer. They then hear that Dajjal has appeared, and he is going to be in Jerusalem. So they then rush to Jerusalem so that's what he's talking about dajjal will actually come out from the east right dajjal will come from the east from a place called khurasan now khurasan is a very big area khurasan is an old area no longer called khurasan but essentially parts of afghanistan right not all of it as far as i know parts of afghanistan a lot of iran and some parts of some of the uh, adjoining areas until the amudarya right until the oxus river is the khurasan area Beyond that is the Transoxiana right? So he's from this Khurasan area from Specifically from a small area called the Yahudiya, right, Which is named after it was a You see when Nebuchadnezzar When he basically destroyed Jerusalem right? He took a lot of the Jewish tribes The Israelite tribes from there And he settled them here In Isfahan So this is Isfahan which is in Iran today that is the area of Khorasan we're talking about. So the area that they used to be in, right? that's called Yahudiyya. So that's where he's going to come with many Yahud from that area. He's going to come according to what this hadith mentions anyway. He'll have 70, a force of 70,000 of the Yahud with him from that area. <coughs> Imam Ahmad relates from Junada ibn Abi Umayya al-Azdi that once I went... He's talking about this long hadith in which he basically mentions that the Jal is going to stay for 40 days That's going to be his time And in that he will basically reach every place There will just be four masjids that he cannot get into Masjid al-Haram, Masjid al-Madina, Masjid al-Tur Which is Sinai, in the Sinai, Masjid al-Tur and Masjid al-Aqsa So aside from the three main, Masjid masjid al-Tur that he can't get into that area Muslim relates Imam Muslim relates from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu that the Dajjal will be followed by 70,000 of the Yahud of Isfahan and upon their heads will be helmets or hats or crowns i mean they've been mentioned differently there'll be something that will be a significant idea that they'll have something on their heads another version says that there'll be people with him who will have flat faces like flattish faces And maybe that's because it won't be just the Yahud It'll be actually some Turkic origin people Flat faces, if you go beyond Kazakhstan and that area There's uh, people of that area Allah knows best right? Who they are So, And there's going to be several It's not just Yahud There's going, going to be several different types of people That will be with him Arab, a lot of illiterate people will be with him Because he can confuse them What we mean by illiterate here Is not necessarily illiterate Like they don't know how to read and write But people who are not informed Probably of And and probably illiterate people as well in general (coughs) In fact it says that There's going to be a huge number of women with him Because he's going to use a lot of emotion Entertainment and emotion And that's something apparently women find Basically get more deceived by easily Right than some men Don't, don't, Don't be mistaken That there won't be any men with them There will be men as well but to such a degree that Ibn Umar anhu says that Prophet ﷺ said, the Prophet said, Dajjal will uh, come to this particular area, and the majority of the people of the, uh, in that area that will come out to him will be women. To such a degree that a man is going to have to try to restrain his wife, his mother, his daughter, his sister, his auntie. He's going to have to tie them up so that they don't go out. That's how. Severe that challenge is going to be like, no, I need to go and see that movie I need to go and see that carnival I need to go and see that show I need to go and see that circus I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something like that Like I need to watch that show, like I must watch Neighbors I must watch EastEnders every week You know, SubhanAllah right. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm just saying that you understand what I'm saying see that the jals fitna, as the Prophet ﷺ said, is the worst. Now this is where I want to say, what is in, in here for all of us? Because it's been a nice story, we get more informed, alhamdulillah. And we're informed and that that's useful and that's beneficial for our iman as well. However, the most important thing we need to understand is two things. Number one, we need to stop thinking that the world is in such a position, and it's bad. I know we've got issues and we've got challenges. But we must stop thinking that it is so bad now, that we cannot do anything And we need to just outsource it to this Mahdi Radiallahu anh is going to come Let him just start the major signs Let the Dajjal come And inshallah I'll be sorted I for one, believe me This is my personal perspective after reading all of this right, Which I've thought about for a very long time Is that I personally do not want to be around at that time I want to die on Iman before then The reason is that number one My and your death is closer than the coming of any Mahdi Or Dajjal or Isa alayhi right? salam We have to be prepared for that A lot of people are asking What are the, uh, what are the characteristics of a person Who's going to be in the army of Mahdi Or who's going to be with him and support with him A good believer A good believer And that you know what that means is That means a lot of things right? Both from a spiritual perspective Salat, ibadah, worship Conduct, everything It's a whole big idea right? But I do not want to be around there Because the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned that the Jal Is the worst of the unseen things That are being awaited So now tell me, you brothers I can only ask you because The you know, sisters are, I can't see them But what is your biggest Fitna, what is your biggest challenge that, Something we shouldn't be doing but It's tough That's yours, mobile phone Desire. Desire for what? Mobile phones? (laughs) Money. Money. Okay, mashallah. These guys are mobile phones and money. Anything else? Power? If I ask the women, what do you think they'll say? (laughs) The husband is their biggest chitna. they'll say jewelry have have you ever been a woman so how can you speak on behalf of women hmm? i like your boldness mashallah but how old are you you're 7 you're 7 i like your boldness mashallah but remember if you've never been a woman you can't speak for women okay this is a lesson you have to learn like you cannot speak for women because you've never been a woman you probably will never be a woman when when you know so you you cannot say what they would do unless you've asked them do you ask them like is that what you asked your mom Yeah? (laughs) Whatever it is, this is just something to think about that if that is tough for us to avoid, whether that be chocolates, whether that be women for the men, right? Whether that be shopping, whatever it is, I just can't avoid it, right? Or whether that be watching a certain program or Netflix or whatever, right? That's a fitna. How tough is that? then imagine how tough the Jali is going to be. Why do you want to be around them? Prepare yourself for your own death. Let us be ready to die before them. Meaning, prepared to die in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will treat us as soon as we leave, inshallah, in the best way of the iman. Amen. right? We ask, and, that, and if you're prepared for our own death, then if the Mahdi does come, we're prepared anyway. So you'd rather be focused on that. The problem I have with people waiting for Mahdi and basically being obsessed by this idea any talk on Dajjal, on Mahdi gets huge hits anybody that speculates this is a Dajjalic system that's a Dajjalic. it's easy to do that I could, I could have sat here today and told you oh that's a Dajjalic system that's a Dajjalic system which a lot of that is I mean there's, there's substance to that don't get me wrong right? <coughs> a lot of that is there but if that just depresses you, because what the, a lot of that stuff does sometimes, is that it depresses you, makes you despondent, and it makes you feel like we can't do anything anymore. I tell you something, that the Mongols' attack was probably worse than a lot of what we've, we've fed. Where they literally just wiped through cities, leaving nobody alive. Right? And there's been numerous other instances in the past. So if you think it's bad now, it's been much worse before. And people actually thought that Qiyamah was going to come before 100, 1,000 Hijri, and now we're at 1441. In fact, Imam Suyuti then said that it won't go beyond. It's going to go beyond 1,000, but it's not going to go beyond 1,500. And he showed why it can't go beyond, why it has to go beyond 1,000 because there needs to be three, four hundred years of these events. Those events have not yet happened. So Allah knows best. We just need to be prepared for our own death because that's more important for us. And we need to try to do what we can. Whenever you hear about something, wherever that be, you make a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you don't know, because a lot of us don't know what to do. When we hear about the plight of the Palestinians or the plight of the Kashmiris or wherever else, may Allah relieve their problems. We don't know what to do. The most we do sometimes give some money or whatever. few campaigns here and there, few uh, fill in a few uh, surveys and th- things like that. We should make a dua to Allah. Oh Allah, accept me for the service of your Let me do whatever is most useful for me to do. What can I do? Give me a khidmat that I can do. And we need to try to make sure that we do the right things. And so that's the first thing. It's our responsibility. Let's, when Mahdi comes, he will come radiallahu anhu. But we're not waiting to outsource things to him. So that's why... Dajjal will have a number of confusions, he will have with him all of these facilities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him Apparently it says that with him will be a river with pure water Another one will be a spring of fire And basically if you go into the river, it will be actually worse for you If you go into the fire, it will actually be pleasant for you Now that just seems to be some kind of really strange test he's going to put people through I can't understand it right now I'm just going to take it that is it. and That's the way of our ulama. If something is there that you do not understand, you just leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You bring faith in whatever Allah means by it, and you leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He'll have the ability to grow crops, to produce crops, bumper crops, to produce rain. Again, Allah knows best. Some people have said that, you know, there's already these trials of trying to uh, manipulate the weather by using various different shields and reflections and things like that. Right? In fact, certain bomb blasts can uh, create waves and tsunamis and things like that. Also, in terms of seeds, we already have what they call the sterile super seeds. These are the specially genetically modified seeds that when you plant them, they are super seeds, so they will give you a bumper crop, huge crop. They pull all the nutrients out of the ground, but they do not reproduce. So you have to buy the next year. And once you do that, they pull the nutrients out of the ground. You can't generally effectively grow your own until you sort the land out so you are then dependent on these huge agro uh, companies to produce your seeds so it's it's possible that Dajjal just has all of this under (coughs) through a Dajjalic system has all of this in his control, if you're good with him it happens today you see certain countries that are some of the wealthiest countries in the world but they've been basically brought down to their knees because of the various politics and everything that are played there And the mismanagement of course You need a few people inside to do the mismanagement Certain countries have huge resources But they're actually begging because they can't use those resources Allah knows best exactly how he's going to do that Then there's the story about that one person will come to him In fact, for a lot of people they'll say that Would you believe me that I am the guy If I bring to life your father or mother So he said of course, I mean, like if you can do that you must be special so then a shaitan will come in the form of your father or mother. And anybody who's not a proper believer, right, who doesn't understand that, they'll believe that. Otherwise, it's just gonna be a vision. It's just gonna be an illusion as, as such. There's gonna be finally this one test of a person will come and he won't, he'll disregard him. He says, if I split you in half, make you in two pieces, and bring you back, will you believe me? So he does that to him, brings it. He says, Do you believe me now? He says, No, now I actually. I'm convinced that you're the Dajjal because this is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ told us that you will do. So there's going to, going to be that. So he's going to cause so much confusion around the world. So now when Isa ﷺ, as I mentioned, gets to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, if he was Ibn Sayyad or whatever, he knows his stuff. When he sees Isa ﷺ, he says, let's start the prayer. Again, he's using deception here as well. I'm a believer, let's start the prayer. But when he sees Isa Alayhi salam he will st- basically says that he will start to melt and dissolve like salt dissolves in water. Then Isa Alayhi salam will kill him. That's the end of the Jal. And then basically he'll kill uh, all his followers will be killed as well. And eventually what's going to happen is by the end of Isa salams time, he's going to stay for longer, he's going to get married, and then eventually he will pass away. Uh, well, before he passes away, Ya'juj, Ma'juj will come. But one thing about Isa is that finally... All the Christians that were waiting for him will become Muslim because he'll clarify to them that you are on the wrong understanding. I am not the son of God. The crosses will be taken down, swine will be eliminated, and there'll be no jizya anymore. Now it's only the true belief. So he says by the end of Isa's time, it'll just be purely true belief. And there'll be a lot of goodness in the world because there's just belief now. There's no kufr, it's all gone, it's all finished. Then, eventually, after the Ya'juj Ma'juj incident, which we have no time to get into, then eventually Isa a.s. will eventually depart this world. He'll be buried. And then, after that, things will start getting worse again. And that then goes on to some of the other major signs. If you do want to listen to the whole thing in detail about the minor signs and the major signs, uh, Zamzamacademy.com, we've got the entire audio lectures. It's, uh, I don't know what category it's under. It's called the minor Just search for the minor signs. It's got quite a few lectures that go through all of that in detail. So you you can listen to it there. How do we basically protect ourselves from the Dajjal? And this is the characteristic that you need to be able to understand him. Okay, so this is uh, the final point. And after that, we'll have a dua. If anybody then has a question, they can stay and ask. Otherwise, the rest of you who need to leave, mashallah, you've been here for a very long time, uh, you can feel free to leave. These are the characteristics of somebody insha'Allah who will be protected on that day (coughs) number one to understand Islam properly and to hold on to it properly right? to have all of the aspects of iman that you understand what does that mean? you need to know Allah because remember this imposter is going to call himself make himself out to be a god a lord so if you know who Allah is Allah's beautiful names you understand him you understand Allah's characteristics you'll immediately figure out that this guy is an ugly one-eyed person alright how can that person be a God not to say that God has two eyes or God is beautiful in the sense of a physical aspect we can't see God anyway right? so that's number one God's attributes Allah's attributes nobody shares in them at all so while the Jal will be doing all these weird things there's going to be limitations to that. You will also know that Dajjal eats and drinks. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure of that. So number two, you have to keep seeking protection. The Prophet Wasallam actually has the sunnah du'as. The Prophet used to make du'a for that in prayer as well. <coughs> fitna of this world and fitna of Masihud al-Dajjal. So have that as part of your du'a. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnatil til al-Dajjal. Oh Allah, I seek your refuge from the Trials, the challenges of the Masihud dajjal So that's number two And number three Refresh your understanding about him And about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Continue iman Because it says that when he is going to come People would have forgotten about him I don't know this program they've made It's basically we've got I don't know Several Dajjal talks Schedule around this area, around this time in different massages in different places around the world. Uh, there's always good that comes out of everything, and that's probably the good there, right? Uh, so the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that whoever comes across the dajjal, and I would probably think that this is just not dajjal, but anything that is misrepresentation, you have confusion about, then you need to resort to especially the beginning verses and the last verses of Surah Al-Kahf. Because the Prophet <coughs> said they should recite the beginning of Suratul Al-Kahf. In the hadith of Muslim from Abu Dardar, it says that whoever memorizes the first ten verses of Surah Al-Kahf, he'll be protected from the Dajjal's trials. Imam Nauwi says, now what does this mean? Right. You, of course you read them, but if you read them with meaning, then that is... More effective. One is you read them, inshallah there'll be a benefit. But the more effective, as Imam Nawawi says, he says that at the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf, there are some astonishing signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, amazing signs, that thought-provoking. Whoever reflects over them, they can never, they can never be misled by the Jal. So you know when we recite Surah Al-Kahf, at least once in your life, right? Go through it, read a tafsir of it, Mawlana Abu al-Hassan actually wrote a whole book on the main message of Surah Al-Kahf listen to a tafsir of it so you know what you're reading because that is so effective because it's all against materialism against misrepresentation and some of these great fitnas and that's one of the great benefits of Surah al- uh, al- uh, Al-Kahf and that's why the verse that our Qari read before الَّذِينَ ibadi min duni awliya very reflective uh, passages, The last portion of Surah Al-Kahf as well So read that And another thing is that Reading it on Friday as mentioned Is a hadith of Imam Hakim Rammu Sa'id Al-Khudri radiallahu anhu That anybody who recites Surah Al-Kahf The whole Surah Al-Kahf on Friday It will basically illuminate for him From one week to the next So your next week inshallah will be illuminated Right But again when you read it Think over its meaning as far as possible as you can Because it's got all of these and number four, the fourth thing we need to do, first thing was, understand Allah, know more about Allah, get to love Him more. Number two was, seek protection, actual dua. Number three was, recite Surah Al-Kahf. And number four is, don't get, go anywhere near Him. You need to be far, because if there's a trial and you're like, I'm strong enough, somebody who's drinking... And then they've not been drinking for a while They actually tell them You must not even get close to drink, Even after 10 years Because even the smell can make you relapse And Dajjal is going to use some strange things That are going to pull at the cords of our heart. So he's saying that you need to run away From the Dajjal as far as possible That when the Dajjal comes You need to be somewhere else That's probably the time to go up into the mountains Right That's why you need to avoid Watching these weird things you see what I'm saying? right? That's why you need to avoid watching these weird things. Because it's just a fitna. It's confusion. right? Especially when it's not from a halal source anyway. <coughs> may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the fortification. <coughs> may Allah grant us the strength. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Protect us and our families and our generations and allow us to be prepared for our death before we die. Akhirul da'wan ayin. Allahumma anta salam wa minkas-salam. Tabarak da'at al-jalali wal-ikram. Allahumma ya hayu ya qiyyum. Bir rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hananu ya mannan. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka. Inna kunna min al Ya dhal jalali wal-ikram. Ya ma'din al Judi wal Ya khayral mas'ulin Wa ya khayral mu'teen. Wa ya rahimeen. We ask you for your special mercy Ya Allah, we ask you for understanding Oh Allah, we ask you for your love Oh Allah, we ask you for complete forgiveness Oh Allah, grant us from your generosity Oh Allah, grant us from your forgiveness Oh Allah, erase all of our wrongdoings Oh Allah, all of our misdeeds Oh Allah, we ask you to eliminate them Oh Allah, purify our hearts Oh Allah, make them back the way they were like when we were born O oh Allah, we ask that You remove the sins, especially those that we've forgotten. And above all, those that have become part of our life and we no longer consider them sins anymore. O oh Allah, we ask that You remove the sins which have brought dis- disruption in our lives, darkness in our homes. O oh Allah, that have caused conflicts with one another, that have taken the blessing away. O oh Allah, we ask You for Your return of blessings. O oh Allah, You've given us abundantly. O oh Allah, being here with security, Oh Allah, with, with what we want to eat and drink and what we want to wear, Oh Allah, so many others, you've given us so much more than so many others in this world. Oh Allah, but do not make this a source of deception and distraction for us. Oh Allah, with what you have given us, accept us for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, protect us from all of the fitan, all of the trials, all of the challenges. Oh Allah, we find it so difficult. Oh Allah, sometimes some people are believers in the morning, but by the evening they've lost their belief. And sometimes some people are believers in the evening, but by the morning they have lost their belief. Oh Allah, we are going through some troubled times. Oh Allah, we ask you for strength and fortitude. Oh Allah, we ask you for conviction. We ask you for divine protection. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect us and our progenies. Oh Allah, the entire Muslim ummah. Oh Allah, the entire world... Oh Allah, there are a lot of innocent people out there who are being persecuted in various, for various reasons and excuses. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove that oppression from them. Oh Allah, that you make us useful beings. Oh Allah, that you make us forces of good. Oh Allah, that you improve our homes. Oh Allah, you improve our married lives. Oh Allah, so that we can have stability in our families. Oh Allah, we ask that you improve our communities so we can have stability in our communities and our entire Muslim ummah. Oh Allah, we ask you, to keep us away from wrongdoings and to keep us from leading other people astray to from being tools in the hands of the wrongdoers O oh Allah, we ask you for wisdom and discernment and beneficial knowledge Oh Allah, grant us a good understanding of your tawheed and make that strong, strengthened in our heart O oh Allah, finally we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam unite us with him in the hereafter in the highest places of Jannatul Firdaus سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ الْعِزَّةِ عَمَّا wa وَسَلَامٌ wa الْمُرْسَلِينَ wa